I'm Charlie Melcher, founder and director of The Future of Storytelling, and I'd like to welcome you back to the FOSS podcast. There are a myriad of different roles that storytelling plays in our society, and we at FOSS love to wax lyrically about the power that stories have to inspire profound change in the world. But an even more fundamental value of storytelling is that it brings us joy. Today, I'm very excited to introduce to you an artist whose work brings me and millions of others a great deal of joy. Jacob Collier is a new type of musician storyteller, belonging to an only recently possible category of artists whose careers develop almost entirely online. He first came to prominence as a 17-year-old posting homemade videos on YouTube where he would cover popular songs and use his self-taught video and audio production skills to layer multiple performances together, allowing him to sing and play numerous instruments simultaneously. He quickly gained a large following and began turning heads in the music industry, leading to a management deal with Quincy Jones at the age of 19. Since then, Jacob has developed into a respected voice in the music world collaborating with the likes of Hans Zimmer and Herbie Hancock, sharing the stage with Pharrell, and picking up four Grammy Awards along the way. Jacob is a rare talent, equally comfortable discussing intricate concepts of music theory as he is getting the crowd dancing with exuberance at a sold-out live show. I'm so thrilled to welcome Jacob Collier to our humble false podcast stage. Jacob Collier, I'm so honored and excited to have you on the Future of Storytelling podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is going to be magnificent fun. I can feel it. I can too. I'm I'm so excited to be with such an unbelievably talented creative person. I watch so many of your videos and honestly, every time I've seen one of them or listened to some of your music, I feel like it's exploding out of the shell. Like there's so many (laughs) ideas, so many harmonies, so many instruments, so many art forms. It is literally like it can't contain it all almost in in the songs. (laughs) Well, well, thanks so much for saying that. All the boys in town Follow you All around yeah. I, 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 Let's sort of go back to the beginning a little bit, if you don't mind. Like, you started as somebody who was uploading YouTube videos from your bedroom. How did you get started in music and, and what got you sharing your, your music that way? So yeah, I, I grew up, I suppose, making music in mostly in the room that I'm talking to you from here in North London, my family music room. I've lived here for my, for my whole life. And so the whole process of making music for me started so early on that it was, it was almost my second language growing up. There were the words I was piecing together with my sentences. Then there were the sounds I was piecing together with, with my hands and with my ears at a very young age. We were the kind of household who would play sort of Bjork and Beck and Bach and Bartok and Bobby McFerrin and... Everyone's just everyone's begun with B that I've just listed somehow, but well, yeah, all, all those people would be spoken about within the same sentence, you know, with 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 one breath would be all these different kinds of flavors, and I think that 
for me, I was determined to find a way of making sense of all these different materials and somehow kind of alchemizing them into something that felt like it was innately Jacob, you know, something that was that was Jacobian by nature or, or whatever. And I was extremely lucky not, not just to have the means to listen to and discover music, but also a real, a, a very open-minded dialogue within my house that I think enabled me to have a, a voice, a, a human voice that would sing songs and that would speak out with, with, with opinions, but also just, you know, someone whose ideas had as much value as the results of those ideas. I know that you started by doing covers of other people's music, and and these were not just like mm. simple uh, karaoke style renditions of <laughs> of somebody else's songs. They were wildly complex and layered. And you would be playing multiple tracks and multiple harmonies, multiple instruments, and then piece this all together and release it. But I just I find it so interesting as a young artist that you started by uh, playing with other people's work, you know, in, improvising on that. It's a, it's a funny uh, premise, I think, to write music. And it felt much more um, scary than it did to stretch something that somebody else has made into this kind of maximalist oblivion, which I so enjoyed as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old. I think I was so drawn to the sort of magnetic power of, of musical language taken to the extreme, chords with six or seven or eight or nine notes in them and rhythms that melted your brain. And I was looking for materials that felt safe to mess around with. What felt doable was taking a song that I loved, like say Stevie Wonder's Don't You Worry About a Thing, and thinking, well, I love this song, first of all, so I think it, it, it deserves to have a sort of new spin on it, and I, I want to learn from this song, I want to stretch it. And so I would stretch it, and i think, well, how far could I take this melody? How far could I stretch the chords? In the process of, of extracting and kind of exploring the, the raw materials of each of these songs, I really fell in love with the idea of filling up this palette, this, this palette of skills and flavors and tones and tastes, really, and combining them in this sort of full-hearted way. And every time I arranged a song, I learned so much more, and I wanted to, to take that into the next arrangement and the next arrangement and the next arrangement. And so I guess from the years of about 2011 to 2014 or 15 on, online, you, you sort of see me <laughs> learning all these skills. And, you know, I, I would say that most of them are, are musical, also visual skills, you know, how to edit videos together, how to successfully mask multiple Jacobs onto a screen. And You were hacking it, yeah. I, I was hacking it. So I, I love the, ex the experience of playing with it. I love the experience of stretching myself and arranging felt like a, a safe place to do so, I suppose, before I was ready to embark on writing my own music. Okay, so let's talk about the visual side, because you're not just this virtuosity of, of musical talent, you're creating these incredible visuals to go with your music. Is that natural? I mean, why did you find the visual side <laughs> so, so interesting? Most people stick to one, no? I think, you know, what I've always loved is I've always loved the idea that you can, first of all, experience, but also create art or music from multiple perspectives. And I guess this began with, well, I want to be the bass player in the band, but I also want to be the drummer in the band, but I also want to be the keys player, but I want to sing all that stuff too, and I want to play the melodica solo. Um, and, and, you know, that <laughs> was You didn't have any friends? Couldn't you put a band together? <laughs> it, exactly. I, I was going to say, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a particularly uh, common way of doing things, and, and it, it wasn't even necessarily that I was excluding other people in my life who, who could have helped me do it better. I think it was just that I was too interested in understanding the, the, the musical DNA for myself to wait for someone to explain it to me. I wanted to go and touch it with my own fingers. And the first thing I did was to, I suppose, make these, these mosaic videos where there'd be one Jacob over here, one Jacob over here, and another Jacob here and playing over here and playing lots of different instruments. You know, some of them were, would be musical instruments, some of them would be saucepan lids or bits of metal or stamping on the floor or, you know, whatever I was actually recording. 
but I was not a particularly gifted editor of video to start with. If I had any gift at all, it was the gift of knowing what I wanted to achieve and the patience to wait until it was achieved before I was happy with it. One thing that I've really tried to do is just to turn on the tap and see what kind of raw materials I'm, I've got. Like, what am I responding to here? What excites me there? What raises the, the, the goosebumps? What makes me feel uncomfortable? What makes me feel comfortable? And taking all of those and, and just trying to be as, as faithful to those materials as possible, which I suppose is, has, has led me from my first album, which is called In My Room, which I recorded in this exact room, to my most recent project, which is this quadruple album by the name of Jesse, Jesse Volume 1, 2, 3, and 4, which is, I suppose, a, a more ambitious task than simply turning on the tap and seeing what comes out in three months. And it's ended up being this sprawling kind of three-year-long epic 50-plus songs project with 30 you know 30 collaborators from the world over from orchestras to choirs to rock guitar legends folk singers r&b soul singers rappers trappers you name it and being determined to kind of stretch that idea of comfort and to learn as much as I can from the people that have taught me all these lessons and how do you choose your collaborators you started as somebody working very solo in your room and now you've mm. got this world-class group of collaborators, how do you choose? Well, here's the thing. I released in my room, and I did it independently, and I toured the world for two years with a, with a one-man show. And it was, it was great fun. <laughs> um, I learned so much. I just learned so much and didn't have a great deal of experience, even particularly performing on stage, representing myself before my first ever gig, which was at the Montreux Jazz Festival in, in Switzerland, opening for Hobie Hancock and Chick Corea. It was my, my first gig ever. Crazy, crazy night. And from that day to the last one-man show ever, which I believe maybe was in Moscow back in 2018, I did about 200 gigs. And I was learning at a really, truly accelerated rate about what audiences do to performers because they were all I had. And so, you know, what happens when you tell a story on your own terms, in your head, is different from what happens when you tell a story to a room of listening people. And I think that the amount that you can learn if you're willing from those reactions is really extraordinary. Um, and learning how to listen to those voices without necessarily even being too affected by them was something that I lo I've loved to learn. I think it's been amazing. I was just going to say, I had the, the wonderful experience of getting to see you perform live at the TED conference in Vancouver. And certainly the highlight was feeling like you were playing us. There was that moment when <laughs> you got us all harmonizing with you, the audience, and the fourth wall was broken. Yeah, yeah it was right. really beautiful. And you did it so well. And, oh, and, thank and you. by the way, that's a group of people who are naturally kind of reserved. You know, a lot of successful, well off people who don't necessarily yeah. um, get up there and sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think something's, something, there's something magical about breaking that, yeah, as you say, that fourth wall, that barrier. I love the idea of, you know, no matter who you are, where you come from, what you believe in, you know, what you stand for, we can all make a sound and we can all do so harmoniously. And it's something that really struck a chord with me earlier on. I think that TED conference was really one of the first times I really unleashed it on a crowd, actually, because I'd been, been working on it for a while in my, in my mind, but I think I felt that TED would be a fun place to just to try it. You know, it's like a very simple call and response. You say, I'm going to sing, whoa, 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 and you sing, whoa, 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 in return. And, and there's something really primary and, and gorgeous about that. I've had audiences singing four or five part harmony and we've been improvising. I've been improvising crowds and been yelling things in time, stamping and clapping and going bananas and all sorts of, you know, making bird sounds, all sorts of crazy things. And I, I just think there's something very, very powerful about sort of unleashing the, the human potential to, to connect because it's so colossal. I find it's, it's just been something with, that's provided me with endless amounts of 
of joy, and it always keeps me on my toes as, as, as well. At Future Storytelling, we're always exploring uh, the breaking of that fourth wall. Like We're, we're always very interested in, the, in this next generation of um, participatory media. One of our speakers some years ago, a guy named Scott Snibby, um, who's done some amazing apps and musical work, he spoke about this idea that music was always originally a participatory form. You wouldn't sit around the, the campfire and some people were playing drums and, and everybody was either dancing or singing or playing an instrument as opposed to you know, cut to a classical music concert today and everyone's sitting <laughs> yeah. you know, dead silent, yeah, not moving. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it goes without saying that music began as, a, as not only a participatory thing, but a physical thing. It happened in our bodies and happened for our bodies, just as it happened for our minds. And one of the sort of diseases I think now is sweeping the world is this idea that our mind and our body are separate things. And, and I think that the truth of the matter is that there's just no difference between our, our body and our mind and, and the moment that we neglect to look after one, we, we neglect to look after, after our, our, ourselves at all. And the really strange thing is that rhythm is just basically it's us walking, it's us talking, it's us blinking, it's everything that we do in our bodies is, is rhythmic and that's why music is so inherent to our lives. And I think that bringing the music back in, in, into the physical realm is something that it's taken me an extraordinary amount of time to really connect with because before I went on tour, I really thought of myself as, as a recording artist. And then I went on tour and, and something clicked out of the brain and into the body. And I, I, I relaxed physically. I relaxed in, into my body and I was able to, to connect with what it meant to stand and jump and dance and move and communicate with my whole body, not just with my mind. And, you know, as someone who is profoundly introverted... The joy in the catharsis I felt when something clicked inside my mind with something clicking outside my body, it was such a relief, I suppose, is, is, is the best way I can describe it. It's like the realization that you can be exactly who you are at any moment, and the more you you are, the more compelling your story is. I think that's so beautifully put, that the, the more that you can be you the higher the expression of the art and the more it resonates for others. I've seen you performing up there and connecting with that audience and it truly felt like a dance. Like you were dancing with the audience and everybody was joyful, like out of their mind joyful. It's very nice to hear. Thank you very much. Um, so let's talk a little bit about technology. I mean, the fact that yeah. you could both produce your own album from the room you're sitting in now, the fact that you can share it out into the world. We've talked for a long time about the democratization of creativity enabled by these new tools. You seem to me to, to maybe be one of the great artists that represent that idea the, or the potential of these tools. How do you feel about, about technology in your work? It's a, it's a tricky conundrum, isn't it? Every time technology makes your life easier, it makes your life more difficult in, 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 in a different way. I think it's a, it's a tremendous challenge and a, and a privilege to exist creating in a time this entrenched in technology. For me, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to it. And I think that I have absolute hope and belief that if humans continue to prioritize the things that make them human in their use of technology, that there is just no limit to the things that we can accomplish to bring each other together. I guess most importantly, I've been able to expand my idea of what's possible with making music just from the tools that I have at my disposal, you know? So one person can't sing six notes at once in real life unless they are insane, <laughs> absolutely insane and, and truly extraordinary. But I've been able to imagine myself as a six-voiced beast and I've been able to execute that using technology. And I, I say that within the confines of this room where I've been recording 
my albums and sometimes that goes up to hundreds and hundreds of simultaneous voices and that's a, that's a really unique sound and I do love that one but also on, on stage I have this musical instrument called the, the harmonizer the vocal harmonizer which I believe I had on stage at that TED conference too the way that works is that I, I sing one note and then I play a, a variety of notes. I can play up to 12 notes, in fact. And the, the note that I'm singing in real time is sampled and comes out as all the notes that I'm playing. So I'm essentially <clears throat> able to improvise as, as a choir on the spot, spontaneously, but it's not based in anything pre-recorded. It's based in real life. So if I go, wow, then all voices go, wow, but they do so on their respective notes. And if I could sing six voices at once, I wouldn't be making harmonizers. I'd be singing six voices at once, but I can't do that. And so I make a harmonizer to make a human act action possible that wasn't possible before, you know? And I, I wouldn't say the same is true for, you know, Instagram filters, for example, <laughs> or auto-tune. But I, I do think that when when technology is, is, uh, is paired up with the right kind of brain, there is, as I say, a, a kind of connection that becomes possible that is kind of beyond our wildest dreams, and I'm beginning to understand the impact of what that can mean. With an artist like yourself, I'm, I'm really interested in how you set uh, parameters. Your creativity seems so boundless that, in fact, you could probably be working on an infinite canvas. How do you... <laughs> How do you bring it down to something that you can work on? Well, I, I have struggled with that, absolutely. I think what I've realized is that most of the time, the reasons why people don't do things is because they don't believe they can. And I think that for a lot of my life, and I think for, for a lot of people's entire lives, the question is, am I worthy of doing this? Is it right for me to do this? And tragically, I think that a lot of those questions don't get answered because you, you figure, well, I, no, I'm not ready for this yet, or no, I can't do this, or no, I'm not worth me doing this. And I think that what I've realized recently, once you really let yourself open up, you can do anything in the world. You can do anything in the world. If you believe that you can do anything in the world, then you can. And I think that that process of realization is, is not anything particularly glorifying. It's just the reality. A, a human being has so much potential. And so what if you accept that you can do anything in the world and then you have to decide what to do? That becomes the next question. And that is a really difficult question to answer and one that's only really answerable by doing stuff because I think the more that you do the more you learn about what it means to do anything at all I find that the things that I've made from the perspective of well that's what I liked and that's what I believed at that time it might not have even been the best option but I believed in it those things for me tend to stand the test of time and, and they make me look back and smile the more stories you can tell that come from the reality of a moment rather than any kind of construction of what a moment should or would feel like if you had enough tools to tell the story, if you were the right person to speak out at this moment, if you had all the self-confidence in the world, or if you X, Y, and Z, those things somehow don't hit home as much as I am who I am and I have the materials I have right now and I'm willing to, to tell the truth with those languages, I suppose. Here, here. You use the word storytelling a number of times when you talk about your work. Do you think of your music as telling stories? Absolutely. I think that music is most definitely a language that can be understood and spoken on many different levels. You know, you can zoom into the ins and outs of what makes a C superlydian chord slightly more dynamic than a C superlydian dominant chord, but you can also just sit by a campfire and strum a chord on the guitar and strum it again and strum it again and change the chord and strum the first chord again and it means just as much if not more and and so i think that as a musician one thing i'm just so interested in is just how many of the different degrees of concentration across all these different disciplines of 
how it is to perceive. I think that there's a myth that you're either a left-brain thinker or you're a right-brain thinker. And the left-brain thinkers put things in boxes and sell them to people and the people agree them and it's everything's linear. And then there's the right-brain thinker who says, I'm a dreamer and now my dreams is all I have. And then you're supposed to believe them. And, and I just, I just, I don't believe it. I think that there are, I think that the, the challenge of the 21st century creator is to merge many perspectives and to move many perspectives and to lay the foundations for many perspectives worth of understanding. Oftentimes when I think about music, it's about almost like playing this, this accordion between these different perspectives. You know, on the one hand, you've got the perspective that analyzes and then you've got the perspective that just has sensations. You know, you've got the audience that criticizes and the audience that is moved. And you've got the adult who brings his experiences or her experiences to the table. And then you've got the child who brings no experiences to the table, but a raw sense of delight or a raw sense of whatever. And the master storytellers, whether on a conscious or an unconscious level, have this together. They have the whole package together. And they, they don't separate the intellectual with the emotional because he, I think she or he who does that does not fully represent the power of what a real, true, honest storyteller can be in today's world. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I noticed that you've been putting some things out to your fans, inviting them to collaborate or iterate on some of your musical sketches. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, I, it's, I'm just thinking about how far you've come from the solo artist working alone in your room uh, to being somebody who collaborates to now being someone who will collaborate with anybody, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Open house policy. Yeah, I, I think as you as you make make a reference to most recently, just as the world was going into lockdown about two and a half months ago, or whenever it was, I launched these beat sketches, a, a campaign or whatever it was, and really what I've ended up with uh, in my completion of Jesse Volume Three, which I'm 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 working on right now, is just a lot of these kind of one minute ish long seeds of ideas that don't seem to belong necessarily on on the project on the album as songs, but neither do I want them to be forgotten. So I, I decided to share them with the world. So I shared five beat sketches, just these one-minute little sketches with people all around the world. I said, hey, check this out. It's just something I've been working on. I, I made a little funny visual for each of the videos. And I said, you know what? I could, just, I could just release these to you, but you know, you guys should mess around with these and go check them out. So I said, upload your, your, kind of, your play, your process of play with, to, to the beat sketch hashtag. And it kind of exploded. It was wonderful. I was so inspired by just the myriad of approaches from rappers to strange instruments I'd never heard of, people playing along with these melodies, to people remixing them in Ableton, to dancing along. So it was just amazing. And to be completely transparent, I think that for a long time I felt that if I kept an idea to myself and got it just right, then it would be the most honest and it would fulfill its potential the most. But I really honestly think now, especially since I've started going on tour and getting crowds to sing and clap and dance and all this kind of stuff, that an idea will only begin to fulfill its potential once you open it out to collaboration in general but also you open it up to, to, to the world and, and you ask the world, well, hey, what do you hear here in this song, in this idea? And I find myself as an artist, as a songwriter, chasing those feelings and those moments much more than I chase the ones that turn back to myself. Not because of any particular moral high ground, just because of experience. I find the amount of joy I get back from an experience like that is just greater. I, I love that it's a kind of creative call and response enabled by the by yeah. the web that you're putting out there and you and I also was so appreciative that it was a call for creativity on any form you weren't saying just musical mm. you said if you're a dancer if if you're a, a yeah. visual artist like just you know, play with me come come be part of this I, I think uh, yeah you're right I, I think the thing that becomes clear 
um, is that a lot of these languages are very similar as well. You know, you can say, I'm a dancer, I don't do music, but but you're dancing to you're you're dancing in time. You're dancing with you're dancing with cadence. You're 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 a storyteller, really. One of the tenets of future storytelling is that the lines between different media are blurring. You know, when I was a kid growing up, you had to specialize, right? Oh, I have to go to film school and devote years to be able to make a movie, or I have to spend years learning to be a writer. Or and now, you know, you being a great example of this, everyone has the tools for everything, and everyone is actually encouraged and empowered to to be an artist across all these different media. It's all zeros and ones. It, it is. No, it really is. And, and I guess one final point to, to, to conclude with there is, I would say that the fastest way to refine skills is by using them. But there's also a degree of, of concentration which can't be overlooked when it comes to learning a skill. And I think that to be willing to concentrate on a skill for the purpose of being the better storyteller for it and having patience for things not to be rushed is something that I hold very, very close to my heart. I would definitely encourage people, if, if you're listening and you're a storyteller of some kind, to really enjoy leaning on not knowing the answers to all the questions and not knowing them right now and not needing to know them in a year's time and, and learning how to get in touch with what it is that moves you on every level because that gives you the apparatus to do the same in, 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 in return. So where are you headed as an artist? And what, and what, I guess the last question I would ask you is, how do you think about your role as an artist, the, the gift or the contribution that art plays? Wow, yeah, that's a, that, that's a big one. In, in, in some ways, I, I try to think about my role and my purpose as little as possible because once I state myself as doing something for a reason, then it stops being art. In some ways, it becomes politics or something else. What I can say from, from sort of divorcing myself from what I'm doing and looking at it from the side, I, I guess it seems like if there's something I want to encourage in the world, it's, it's a sense of being a truly unfettered version of yourself and being fearless with that and being willing to be challenged, being willing to stretch your knowledge and to experiment and have fun and to play. When you start making stuff, you learn what you stand for. And that's one of the reasons why I do it. If there's any voice to inspire... In, in others, it's the voice that I'm trying to inspire in, in myself. And that's the voice that will always show me the way and that will not be told to be smaller, to be more convenient, will not draw attention towards itself because it doesn't feel like it's enough because it's always enough. It will just state things as they are and it will play and it will experiment and it will stretch things and it will teach you how to be you. I guess that's, that's all I can commit to trying to do. Jacob, thank you for being you and for sharing the joy that comes from you. It's really a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you're as impressed and blown away by Jacob as I am. If you'd like to see and hear some of his work, we've gathered a few of our favorite Jacob Collier songs and videos on this episode's page on the FOST website. You can access it by visiting fost.org or through the link in the episode description. Thank you for being a part of the Future of Storytelling family. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast, give us a review, and share it with others. Our sincere thanks to Jacob Collier and to our thoughtful production partner, Charts and Leisure. I hope you'll join us next week for another conversation in the adventures of storytelling. Until then, please be safe, be strong, and story on. Story on.